I just want to share something from the Word of God today. I want to talk about the resurrection power. And so often we focus on the cross and we forget the story doesn't end there. Uh, I want to read for you from uh, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. You might like to look up. You have a Bible, Acts chapter 10. We'll read it from about 38. We're celebrating today the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's not dead. You know, the founder of every other religion in the world is dead. They're dead and they're buried. But the founder of Christianity, in fact, the whole platform upon which Christianity lives and breathes and, 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 and it has its foundation is that Christ rose from the dead, rose from the dead. I mean, if you've ever been to a funeral, ever seen someone die, ever been near someone who died and see the, 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 the loss or the breathing out of life and to realize there's, there's absolutely nothing you can do, there's no power we have to overcome it, how amazing then that God himself raised Christ from the dead promising us that death is not the end of everything, that in fact there's a life beyond death, and that you and I can access God's help today to overcome whatever we have in life. The message of the resurrection is incredibly powerful. Let me just read a few verses out of uh, the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the continuing of the work of Jesus. And uh, what I want you to understand is that uh, resurrection, or that resurrection is not just something in history. It's a foundation of life that we can live. It's a, re, it's a spiritual reality you can live from. And a lot of people, it's just about history. Oh, Jesus did something, you know, 2,000 years ago, or Jesus died and rose again. And so in the, in the thinking, it is just sort of out there. It happened, and I know about it, and I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll acknowledge it. But actually, it's far more than that. It's a living spiritual reality that can touch and transform your life now, today. Amen? I want you to read Acts chapter 10, verse 38, and it's sharing about Jesus Christ. And it, outlists, it lists out uh, in the Scripture uh, about eight things about Jesus. I wanted to show what they all are. And we read it in verse 10, uh, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. God was with him. And we're witnesses of the things which he both did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Uh, and we saw that they, and they killed him by hanging him on a tree. And him God raised up on the third day, showing him openly, not to everyone, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Now that's something. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify, it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, whoever believes in him, will receive remissions of sins. And while he was still speaking these words, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, fell upon everyone who was listening, and those of the circumcision, or the Jews who believed, were astonished, the ones that came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the Gentiles also. They heard them speak in a new language and magnify God. Now, this is a tremendous account of Jesus' life and ministry. I'll summarize this in a few verses. I want to highlight, just pick them up one at a time for you, and then show how important each one is. Number one, it tells us there, uh, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. You have to understand, when Jesus left heaven and came to earth, he took on the limitations of a physical form, but everything he did on this earth, there was an empowering force behind him. It says he was empowered. The word anointed means that they put smeared oil on him, uh, but that means also in the, in the Bible that the Holy Spirit came on and empowered people to do something unique 
that they were called to do. It, the Bible tells us the Spirit of God came on Jesus, and from that point on, he went about doing all kinds of things. I want to show you what he did. So number one, we see Jesus' ministry, there was a supernatural empowerment to it. He wasn't just an ordinary person doing good works. There was far more to it than that. Let's have a look what it says in the second part of that verse. It says, he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Second thing is, Jesus' ministry to people was supernatural in its origin. When it says the word doing good, we tend to think of uh, just doing some good works or something like that. But the original word, the original language is this. It means to be a benefactor. Now, some of us may understand what the word benefactor is, but to the culture of Jesus' day, this is what a benefactor was. If you were poor, you needed a benefactor, someone who could do you a favor, someone who could help you. So a benefactor in Jesus' day was a wealthy person with tremendous resources, and the poor person would go to them, and they would do them a favor. And out of the result of the receiving of a favor, a relationship would begin with the benefactor. And so a benefactor gave you connections. A benefactor helped you out. A benefactor gave you the loan to start up a business. The benefactor would come to your aid if you're in distress. So a benefactor was someone who had empowerment to be able to help people. So it tells us of Jesus, it says he went about and he was the ultimate benefactor because he could heal the sick, he could deliver people of tormenting spirits. Whatever the problem people had, he was not limited by natural resources. He went about, and what he did was he touched people everywhere he went. He touched those who were without hope. He touched those who lived in shame. He restored lepers. He restored people who had lost their loved ones. He touched and healed people. He had the capacity to minister to every need of human life. You can imagine why crowds followed him. If you followed a human benefactor, there's a limit to what he could do. If you followed Jesus, it was unlimited the ways that he was able to help you. If you have a broken heart, who can heal your broken heart? If you've been betrayed, who can heal the betrayal? If you've suffered the loss of someone, who can heal that? If you've suffered and fallen into sin and become shame-filled, who can lift you up out of that? This was what Jesus came to do. He came to proclaim a message of the gospel that God is going to touch our life, that God is available to us now. He healed brokenhearted. He set captives free. Jesus' ministry impacted a whole nation in a very short time of three years. Then it tells us this. So we see, number one, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Number two, we see his ministry was supernatural. Number three, we see there, it tells us, it says, we're witnesses of these things, which uh, he did both in the land of the Jews and Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. We see number three here, Jesus was crucified or put to death on a cross. And uh, we saw the, a dramatic portrayal of it. No matter how graphic it looks, and it is quite horrific when you look at it, it was actually worse than what they showed you on the screen. It was far worse than what they showed you on the screen. And it was uh, uh, one of the key features of it, not just the physical suffering, but the gradual and systematic humiliation and public shaming so no one would ever follow him. The Bible tells us that when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible explains he was our representative. Why do we need a representative? Because all have sinned. All of us have broken the laws of God. All of us in our own way are self-centered, selfish, 
putting number one first ahead of everyone else. We have fallen short of the way God designed us to live. And that falling short, that part of us that's damaged, is what's called sin. It's a resistance to God. It's an independence. It's like a declaration, I want to run my life without God. That's the core of sin. People think if they don't do essentially great and bad things that they aren't sinners. But that's not true. The Bible says all of sin because we've fallen short of how God intended us to live loving and generous and the qualities of God's Spirit. It says Jesus was our representative. He stood in our place and he carried all penalty that we would normally face for sin. He carried in our place. He carried and took on himself the penalty of sin. He took on himself every curse. He took on himself sicknesses and sorrows. He literally acted as a representative so you and I could be spared that because of what he did on our behalf. The only way you can honor someone who lays their life down is to follow what motivated them. I don't think any of us here have had the experience of someone laying their life down so you could live. I know for my father who was in the war, uh, coming out of the war, one of the biggest things that affected him was this, how come I lived and everyone around me died? The fact that he had been spared and the, the difficulty in coping, what is my life all about, that others have died around me and yet I've been spared. What should I do with my life? You, you remember in, the, in Saving Private Ryan, there's a dramatic scene right at the very end, and uh, the, uh, the man is uh, dying, the one who's come to save Private Ryan is dying, and uh, Private Ryan goes over to him, and he realizes this man's laid down his life, and others have laid down their life in order that he could be saved. And there's a dramatic statement he says. He said, make this worthwhile. Make it worthwhile. In other words, I've given everything for you. Now live a life that honors the sacrifice that's been made on your behalf. In other words, don't just treat it as nothing. Good men laid their life down for you. Now live a life. And you see at the end of the stories, he's going, and he's an older man, and he's standing right there by the graveside. He asked his wife, did I live a good life? So if we see that and are moved by that in a natural movie, how much more that the Son of God laid his life down for us, there's a, a responsibility on us to respond to that, to let God's life come into us and to transform us. Said Jesus died. When Jesus died on the cross, it showed it a little bit in the movie. Some of you may not have picked up what was happening, but there were several things happened. When Jesus gave his life up on the cross, it was not like any other death because it was God himself offering and offering to cover all of our sins. The Bible tells us there was great power released. You read Matthew chapter 27, and at the moment Jesus died, several things happened. The first thing that happened was there was a veil in the, in the temple signifying that people could not go into the place they believed God dwelt. And immediately, it's like invisible hands from heaven tore it and split it open, and God was announcing a way is possible now for every person to have a relationship with God. The second thing that happened was there was a tremendous earthquake. Now, if you've ever been in a big earthquake, you know, a little one, oh, that's mild, yeah, oh, okay, oh, yeah, well. But then everything shakes. If the ground is shaking so hard, rocks break. That is a terrifying experience. Great power was released at the resurrection. Tells us in Matthew 27 that the rocks split. Great, you saw the rocks in the, in the, in the, in the clip there. And it's a really hard rock, and it just split open and cracked. And then it says that the graves of those who had died were all broken open. 
In other words, God was putting on display a massive display of his power. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for us because of sin. He died because the wages of sin is death, and immediately the graves were open. There are a number of reasons for that. I think number one is when the graves were all open, no one could go anywhere. They had to stay there by the graves waiting until the Sabbath was over before they could fix them all up again. That meant there were crowds of people around that could bear witness. There's no way anyone could have stolen the body of Jesus away. Jesus was put in a tomb. They put guards around the tomb. They sealed the tomb. And then the graveyard, there's full of people all waiting for the Sabbath to be over so they can fix up the graves. No one could have stolen the body. And yet his body vanished. Let's have a look and see what the next thing it tells us. You notice all the way through, it's not just a story. It's not just about a good man. It's the power of God being demonstrated. He was empowered supernaturally. He ministered supernaturally. When he died on the cross, the power of God was released. Now we have a look what happens, and it says, whom God raised him up on the third day and showed him openly. Notice the next thing that happens is the resurrection, the resurrection of the dead. Resurrection was a demonstration of God's power. There's no one can raise anyone from the dead. When they're dead, they're gone. But God is not limited. See, sometimes we make God in our own image. We think God is limited like we are, but God is not limited. He is a God of power. He is a God of resurrection. He is a God who can raise the dead up. Jesus was raised from the dead, and he was proven because he was raised from the dead. God's demonstrating, this is my son. This is the son of God. Now, if someone's raised from the dead, you want to get someone to see that. And so the Bible tells us that God selected people to see him when he was raised from the dead. When he was raised from the dead, his body was transformed. His body was changed. He could move in and out of buildings. Now, that's hard for us to understand, but that's because of Western culture, we think in limitations of the physical world. But Jesus could move from one place to another. He walked with the disciples. He came into a room where they were. Now, that is really scary. I don't know whether you ever thought if you're sitting in a room and someone you just watched die suddenly is there in that room. That is just totally emotionally overwhelming. And then they touched him, and he's real. You can imagine they're thinking, 